In terms of innocence, a mainstream hit that stands peculiarly apart from the crowd is Rosemary Clooney's 1951 recording of Come On A My House. Vocal soloists in the post-war years trafficked in songs that fairly wallowed in matters of romance, but almost always the song's lyrics and interpretations, no matter how heartfelt, adhered to a strict sense of propriety. When Joe Stafford scored a number one hit in March 1954 with Make Love to Me, the song's title phrase clearly did not mean what it means today. Contrasting sharply with the norm of the typical post-war sentimental song, the lyrics of Come On A My House resonate like an advertising jingle from a prostitute. Raucous barrelhouse rhythms in the accompaniment seem to place the communication at the entrance of a brothel. An archly affected yet not readily identifiable accent on the part of the singer suggests that the enticement comes from some cultural other. The much-repeated title phrase becomes an increasingly heated invitation, acceptance of which, apparently, will result in a smorgasbord of physical delights that, doubtless metaphorically, include such things as candy, an apple, a plum, an apricot, figs and dates, grapes and cakes, a pomegranate, a peach, a pear, a Christmas tree, and an Easter egg. Clooney's recording of Come On A My House topped the Billboard chart on July 28, 1951, and held the number one position for eight weeks. It was the first hit for Clooney, who during the war years had worked as a singer with the Tony Pastor Band, and it remains the song with which she is most strongly identified today. Clooney's memorable interpretation perhaps had precedence in some of the race music recordings that had circulated since the 1920s. But certainly nothing like it had ever before been presented to America's predominantly white general audience for popular music. Indeed, not even in the heyday of rock and roll, when straight-laced critics regularly lambasted the new genre for its morally corruptive influences on American youth, would a hit song be in both verbal content and musical expression so blatantly sexual. Sexuality was a potent force in American culture of the 50s, and its linkage with the chilly climate of the Cold War has often been explored. As Joanne Meyerowitz notes, various scholars have argued that the Cold War assault on communism reinforced the subordination of women and the suppression of sexuality. In the most common variant of this argument, the fear of communism pushed middle-class Americans to look to masculine strength and the patriarchal home as protective forces in a dangerous world. In this anxious context, independent women, gay men, lesbians, domineering moms, and matriarchs, among others, seemed to threaten masculinity, the nuclear family, and the nation, just as communism seemed to threaten the international order. Alfred Kinsey's 1947 report on sexual behavior in males and its 1953 follow-up study on females made it perfectly, albeit uncomfortably, clear that in the post-war years, Americans' public attitudes towards sex were at odds with what Americans did or thought about in private. 